Welcome back to the podcast. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to be playing some sermons that I gave from John chapter 13 and 14. In these two chapters, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. These disciples, they've spent the past three years with Jesus. They've seen him teach. They've seen him perform signs and wonders. They've seen him even raise people to life. But now he's leaving. And here in these chapters, the disciples are asking Jesus their final questions before he goes. And when we think about it, those questions about Jesus' absence, well, they still affect us today. Our situation is not that different from the disciples. It's not that different to John's readers. What do I mean? Well, Jesus says in these chapters, things for when he's gone. And that is the same situation we're in, isn't it? Jesus hasn't returned yet, so we're in the same situation. So as we look at these passages together, we should be on the edge of our seats. Jesus is saying these things with you in mind. Isn't that amazing? He's talking about things that affect us now. So let's hear these questions and hear the answers that Jesus gives. So Deuteronomy chapter 30 Verses 11 to 20. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees and laws, that you may live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But... If your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. John chapter 14, verse 5 to 7. Thomas said to him, that's Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to your word this morning, we would consider Christ. Would we see the true and better Adam, the great and sure fulfillment of the law, the plan of our salvation? Help us to glorify the Lord Jesus this morning, we pray. 
Amen. Well, as I said, we're carrying on in a series in John chapter 13 and 14 this morning. It's worth saying, if you weren't here last week, this is the second in this series. The second in a series looking at the questions that Jesus is asked before he leaves. Judas has just slunk off into the night and Jesus is with the 11 disciples on the eve of his trial and execution. And as Jesus gives his final words to the disciples in that upper room, he's giving them answers to the questions they have about his absence, about the time period after he's killed and before he returns. And when you think about it, that is the time period that we live in too. Jesus hasn't returned yet, so what we have here in these chapters is of enormous benefit to us today. Jesus is talking about things that affect us now. Now, last week we looked at Peter's question, and that was the question that helped us to see Jesus for who he really is. And in that section, Jesus was telling his disciples that he would be leaving. He's going to go to the cross. And the disciples, they can't follow him right now. He has to do that alone. Yet he closed with comforting words. Chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. The disciples could have confidence in the here and the now, knowing that Jesus would come back in the end to get them. And the question we're going to be looking at this morning, it picks up right from where that last statement left off. The question's there in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? When we really grasp what Thomas is saying here, we realise just how important a question that really is. See, Thomas is a very practical guy. He sees things for how things are. And so he's asking this question. He's asking, how can we know the way to God? How can someone know God both now and into the future? You see, when you think about it, that question is huge. It's a question that humanity has been asking for centuries. Even those who claim that God doesn't exist, well, they've been impacted by this question. And many people have given their answers to that question. The different religions of the world, well, they they claim they know. The different philosophies of the world, they've given their guess. In fact, it's the question that the Bible seeks to answer. You could say it's the goal of the entire Bible story. Since the days of Adam and Eve, getting back to God has been one of, if not the, driving question of humanity. So how can we know the way to God? If someone was to ask you uh, this afternoon, when you were down in town, say, how would you answer that question? How can we know the way to God? Well, you might say we can get to God by being a good person, by giving something to charity, maybe our money, maybe our time, 
helping those who are less fortunate than ourselves. Or perhaps by being good, by being a law-abiding citizen, paying our taxes and staying out of trouble. Or maybe it's by keeping religious rules, something like the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule, do as you would be done by. Perhaps we think church stuff does it. Turning up physically on a Sunday, even though we could stay at home and watch the live stream. Going to church in the evening, as well as the morning. Doing upfront stuff, uh, reading, praying, leading a growth group, that kind of thing. Or maybe by doing stuff that no one notices. Cleaning the toilets at the end of a Sunday. I say that, but I reckon that most of us here don't actually think that way. If you've been around church for a while, hopefully you're going to respond, well, it's, it's all about Jesus. But do you ever find yourself with, with a nagging feeling in the back of your mind? Is it really that simple? Are we really saying, just follow Jesus? Is that really all I need to know God? Well, surely I must have to do something. Can I really be sure that I have everything I need? And if this is true, that Jesus is everything we need, well, surely that's news that everyone needs to hear. So is it right? If you're thinking any of those things this morning, you're going to want to be listening to what Jesus has to say in this passage. Because the disciples, those who've heard Jesus teach, they have that question too. As I've said, Jesus has just told them that he's leaving. And so Thomas asks the question that we're looking at today. Once again, it's in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Just remember the situation. Jesus has told the disciples he's about to be betrayed. He's just told them he's about to die. He's just told them that he's going away. So this is confusing for them. Jesus is going to his death, yet he claims he's going to his father. Well, which is it? How can the disciples follow? Just put yourself in these disciples' shoes. The disciples, they're about to lose their leader, their teacher, their Lord. I mean, we might find that quite hard to relate. We're pretty used to not having Jesus physically with us. But just imagine what it would be like for them. The disciples, they've had God in their midst. And now he's leaving. Surely, they think, that's going to make it harder for us to get to God. That is the question that this, that's the situation this question is being asked in. How would you think? How would you feel? All the things that would give these 11 men access to God, well, they seem to be being taken away. What are they going to do? How can they know the way to God? It adds a lot of colour to Thomas's question here, doesn't it? You can understand where he's coming from. How can we know the way to God? Well, Jesus gives his answer in verse 6. Have a look at verse 6 with me. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I reckon that verse is a pretty familiar one to us. Perhaps one you'd find on a, a fridge magnet or maybe one you know a Sunday school song for, probably an old Sunday school song for. But what Jesus is saying here, it is far bigger than a nice memory verse. 
In fact, the very first thing I want us to see, the very first point today is those first two words of verse 6. Jesus answered. How can we know the way to God? Well, point one, if you're taking notes, I recommend you do. Point one, Jesus tells us. Now, before you think I've completely lost the plot, we have to realize that in John, John wants us to know something about Jesus' words. John has been telling us that as we encounter Jesus' words recorded here for us, we encounter Jesus himself. It's through Jesus' words that we have full, final revelation of God. We're going to see more of that in a couple of weeks. But for now, it's important that we know that these words are Jesus' words. These words are words that he's speaking to his disciples before he goes to his death. Words that he's saying before he is lifted up on a cross. Well, why is that important? Well, let me give you a silly example, but it does get what I'm saying. The other night, Izzy and I, we were on the hunt for a good takeaway. Maybe you've done the same thing. Now, if you know this town, you'll know there are many, many Indian takeaways. Now, you can read a whole bunch about them online, can't you? You can find the reviews, you can see the photos. But if you really want to find the best one, well, that's quite difficult. I mean, if you really want to know the best one, well, you need to ask someone who's tried them all. Well, in that case for us, that meant dropping a message to a few guys from church. It was the person who's really tried them who can really tell you the best place to go. As I said, it's a silly example. Let's get serious again. We need to remember that these words are Jesus' words because of who is speaking them. If you're looking for a definitive answer this morning on how to get to God, well, who better to give you the answer than the one who has come from God and is going to God himself? Right back at the start of John's gospel, we're told this. Just flick in your Bibles to John chapter 1 and verse 1. We were here at Christmas, so you might remember this verse. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We find out later in that passage that Jesus is the Word. So what John wants us to know is that Jesus was with God in the beginning. John starts his gospel there. He wants us to keep that in mind as we go through the rest of his gospel. But Jesus didn't stay there. Just look down to verse 14, chapter 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That word, Jesus, became flesh. He came down from God to us. Jesus is the one who has come from God's side. He was with God. So if anyone knows how to get to God, well, it's him, right? So when Jesus tells us the way to God, well, we ought to be sitting up and listening. No other answer to this question can compare to the very words of God himself. They all move to the sidelines. They all drop off the map. And not only has Jesus come from the Father, he's returning to the Father. This is really important. John has reminded us of Jesus' destination. He wants us to get this. Flick back to John chapter 13. 
Let me prove this to you. John 13, verse 3. It should be the page just before where we are this morning. John 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. If you want to know the way to God, well, here is God himself giving us the answer. You see, many people can guess. Many people can claim they have the answer, but none of them claim to have come from God and have gone back to God. If you've never read John's words here, Jesus' words in John, can I encourage you to go and have a look? These are big claims. Of course, they need investigating. But if you're serious about this question, well, get serious about finding the answer. Come back with me to John 14. What does Jesus say? What is the answer to the question? It's right there in John 14, verse 6. Have a look at it with me. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're taking notes, this is going to be the second point. How can we know the way to God? Or second point, Jesus is the way. This is the sixth of seven I am statements in John's gospel. Seven times when Jesus says, I am something. You've probably heard of them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And here, number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Each one of those I am statements, it's taking something from the Old Testament and it's placing it squarely onto Jesus. Each statement is taking something that had become a prophetic expectation, something that Old Testament believers were looking forward to. And it says, here it is. And it points to Jesus. So as Jesus says, I am the way, he's saying that another part of the Old Testament hope is found in him. So the logical question is, what hope is Jesus referring to here? What in the Old Testament is called the way, the truth, and the life? Well, we saw it earlier. It's the law. We saw that from our reading in Deuteronomy chapter 30 earlier. You see, in Deuteronomy, Moses lays out the blessings that are going to come to the people of Israel as they follow the words of God. And Moses describes the law like this. He describes it like a path. Just listen. Do not turn aside from the commands I give you today to the right or to the left. Follow these commands and they'll be like a path that leads to life. Follow these laws, Moses says, and it'll be like you're back in the Garden of Eden, back with God himself. Don't turn from the way. Don't go off the track. In the Old Testament, the way which the Jews were not to turn from, to the left or to the right, is the law. If you want blessing, if you want life in the Old Testament, well, follow the law. That's the way the people are to go. That's the truth they are to live by. That's where life can be found. But it didn't work. As you read through the Bible story again and again, that simply didn't work. The people constantly, they went their own way. They left the path. They didn't believe God's truth. Instead of life, they chose death. The problem with the law is not the law itself, but the people. 
The law as a way, it did not lead to life. It led to exile. It led to death. But the story didn't end there. See, the prophets, they looked forward to a day when God himself would make a way. When God himself would take it on himself to bring his people to him. Now, if you've been with us on a Sunday evening, we saw Isaiah speak this way. He spoke of, Isaiah 40 verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. See, God promised through the prophets to make a way, to make a way back to him. And as we open John's gospel, back in John chapter one, you don't have to turn there. John chapter one, verse 23, John says this. John replied in the words of Isaiah, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for God. You see, the people they needed, the prophets they hoped, and now here in John chapter 14, it all comes together. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, everything that the law had pointing to, everything the prophets had hoped for, it is here. It is taken, it is manifested in God the Son, in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus, the way to God. And when we clock that, it means that not the law, not the temple, not even the land have any impact on getting to God because they're just a shadow. And the reality is now here. Jesus is the way. It's a lot of information there. But let's just pause and think about that for a moment. See, in a few chapters time, these 11 disciples, they're going to be told that they're going to lose it all. In John chapter 16, Jesus is going to say to these disciples, they will put you out of the synagogue. Just pause and really realise the weight of what Jesus is saying here. These 11 men and those who follow them, they're going to lose all connection to the synagogue. They're going to lose all connection to the temple. And in doing so, they're going to lose all ability to keep that Old Testament law. And as time goes on, they're going to lose that land as well. They're going to be going further and further away from where they might find access to God. That's got to worry them, doesn't it? In their minds, they've lost the way to God. So what Jesus is saying here, it is massive. It is huge. What Jesus is saying here is going to end that worry for them. Do you see, Jesus says, don't worry about those things. I am the way. Jesus is the way to God. He says that to the disciples then, and he still says that to us today. Brothers and sisters, if you hear just one thing this morning, if you're going to take just one note, if you're going to use a highlighter, if you're just going to hear me say one thing this morning, hear this. If you have placed your trust in Jesus this morning, you have full access to God. It is important that we grasp that. 
You see, Jesus isn't just opening the way and then stepping aside. Jesus isn't simply opening a door for us and then we have to step through. No, absolutely every aspect of getting to God, of knowing God, both now and eternally, is in Jesus. He's not just opening the way. He himself is the way. Jesus is fully sufficient for getting us to God. In Jesus, we have everything we need. You could even go as far as saying that knowing Jesus means knowing the Father. In fact, Jesus goes there, verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, that's how tight the connection is. In Jesus, we have the full, final revelation of the Father. Jesus ticks absolutely every possible box, fully, finally, sufficiently. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, that's next week. But that does lead us to our third and final point this morning. You see, since Jesus is the full and final sufficient way to God, well, he is the only way. How can we know the way to God? Third point on the notes, Jesus is the only way. You can see that clearly in the second half of Jesus' answer. John 14, verse 6 again. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you might have heard the idea of getting to God being something like climbing Mount Snowdon. What do I mean? Well, there's multiple ways up, aren't there? You can climb up the Clanberis path. You can do the pig track. You can go on the miners' track. Or if you're from my wife's family, if you're a Thompson, well, you think that those routes are for sissies and you go for crib cock. And at the very worst, well, you can get the steam train, I guess. Each of those paths, although very different, they get you to the top of the mountain. They get you to the cafe. And the idea goes... Well, it's just like that with God. There are many routes, but they all get you there. That's not what Jesus says, is it? Back here in John chapter 14, Jesus is claiming to be the exclusive way to God. Oh, that word sends a shiver down the spine in today's culture, doesn't it? Perhaps it's making you feel nervous when I say that. See, what we see Jesus saying here Well, we see it, we see what he says right here, and we see it as doors closing instead of a door opening. See, Jesus is saying here in John 14 that every other route to God, to use our mountain illustration, ends at a sheer drop. Any route other than Jesus is a dead end. Islam, Buddhism, science, simply being a good person. But you know, exclusivity isn't always a bad thing. The other day, we were in our kitchen, and I was looking for the way to turn off the child lock on our hob. Who knew there was a child lock on a hob? Well, you see, I was glad that there was only one manual that could tell me what to do. I was glad that there was an exclusive way to find the answer. It saved me from hunting around and reading all the different forums and advice that you find online. Jesus being the only way to God is a good thing. 
You see, there are many ideas out there on how to get to God, but they all contradict each other. But Jesus, the one who is from God and is going to God and is God himself, well, he ends the debate. There's no more searching for the answer. There is one way, and that way is Jesus himself. In fact, verse 7 helps us with this. Have a look at verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You see, Jesus isn't saying, stop trying to find God. Far from it. Jesus is saying there is a way to God. And that way can start now. Do you see that at the end of verse 7? From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, this isn't just a future thing. is isn't just simply a future thing. The, the ability to know God right now is there on the table. And when you think about it, that is great news. It's great news because that way is open to everyone. That way is open to the entire world. You don't need to be in a specific place. You don't need to be at a specific time to come through Jesus. You don't need to be in a temple. You don't need to even be in a church. You don't need to be in any religious building. Jesus is the way for the whole world. Just remember our disciples, those 11 who are hearing Jesus say this, they're about to lose it all. And that could be worrying for them. But since Jesus is the way, if they have him, they have it all. And that way it hasn't closed. As we read this, we might be thinking, oh, this is something that happened 2,000 years ago. But just remember, nothing has changed in the situation. Jesus is still the way. As long as Jesus exists, he is the route to God. There is nothing that is going to change that. See, when you really grasp who Jesus is, of course, there is no other way to the Father. If you're struggling this morning with Jesus being the only way, can I encourage you to just think a bit more about who Jesus really is? As I said, these are big claims. So if you're unsure, they are worth investigating. So what? What are we to do then with these three verses from John? Well, I hope the answer is obvious. If Jesus is the only way to God, you want to put all of your hope in him. To put it anywhere else is crazy. As the one who has come from God and gone to God and is God, you want to listen to what he has to say. There really is no other way. And that's going to be an assurance to us and a driver to mission. Just think about the disciples hearing this. How is this an assurance to them? Well, as I've said multiple times, I might sound like a broken record, but it's important. These guys are about to lose it all. Their access to the Jewish religious system, gone. The temple, gone. The synagogue, gone. Eventually their homes, gone. But what haven't they lost? What they haven't lost is the way to God. The full, final, sufficient revelation of God is here, and in him all the shadows find their reality. The disciples have Jesus, and so they've got the way to God. They may have started by thinking, it's going to be so hard to get to God without Jesus. But no, Jesus leaving is how they get there. Jesus going is how this is all about to get going. 
And that's going to be a driver to mission as well. You see, the way is open to the entire world. As I've said, you don't need to be in a specific time at a specific place to come to God. And that means the message can go from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. In fact, that's what these disciples will do. These 11 disciples, they'll take this news into the entire world, bringing more and more people to God through the Lord Jesus. And we're in the same situation today. It should strike us that nothing has changed. We're in the same time between Jesus' death and his return. So we can be totally assured that everything we need to know, everything we need for getting to God can be found in Jesus. I mean, we have it from his own mouth, that he is the way and he is the only way. You see, there's nothing more needed. He's done it all and so we have it all. So when we catch ourselves thinking, is it really that simple? We can say, yes, he has done it all, so we do have it all. You can tell that nagging voice in the back of your mind to quieten down. Because Jesus has gone to the Father, we can be certain that we know him both now and forever. And we can hold that offer out to the world around us, can't we? It's going to drive us to mission. We have the very words of Jesus, the words where Jesus declares that he is the way and the only way, the only way for anyone to get to God. So if we really believe that this morning, if we really believe what Jesus is saying here, we should really believe that everyone needs to hear this. I mean, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun all the time. But Jesus is clear. No one, and that word there really means no one, comes to the Father except through him. So how can we know the way? Well, Jesus tells us he is the way. Jesus is the only way. So as we finish, let me read verse six one final time. And if you believe it, take it to your heart and rejoice this morning. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sovereign Lord, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that we can have certainty, that we can know you this morning because he said so. Thank you that in the Lord Jesus, we know the way to you. And thank you that we don't need to search or guess, but we can know that Jesus is the only way. Father, we pray we would think on this truth more and more and that we would find assurance in the fact that we have everything we need. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, you can send them to podcast at david-couch.com. See you next time. <laughs>